Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast live on the Chronicle Facebook, YouTube and Twitter accounts and later on our podcast channel. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as usual for our Monday show joined by our Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes. I feel like Aaron, I say this every week, but it has been another busy seven days in the world of Newcastle United. And for you guys who are watching live, do get into the comments where we'll put the best questions to Aaron about the ongoings over the past seven days. And we'll start with the announcement of Newcastle's CEO, the man who's kind of going to lead things off the pitch when it comes to a commercial strategy and what have you, the first person to really step into that role since the departure of Lee Charnley following the takeover. And it is Darren Eels. Came a little bit out of the blue, but I think when people saw the name, a lot of people would have instantly realised who he was. He's got a big reputation over, of course, in America after dealing with Atlanta for um, quite a few years. Appointed there in 2014 as president and oversaw really this massive growth in the club. They're they're getting 70,000 people through the stadium, which is unheard of in the MLS. It is, I think, in my opinion, a really, really big appointment. It's a huge, huge get, I think, for Newcastle. Yeah, it's a big appointment and one that they've obviously been making it look for a while. Um, you know, bringing a CEO in is you know, sort of the, one of the last pieces of the puzzle when you think of the hierarchy that they've been putting in place. Um, I completely agree. I think those within the footballing world, when they've seen Darren Eels' name, will have known straight away who he was. I'll admit I only sort of knew who he was because of the Miggy Almiron um, chase a couple of years ago. And obviously when we were trying to get information about that, Darren Eels was a name that kept popping up. Um, But yeah, very shrewd appointment. Very, very good. Similar to Ashworth in the sense that everybody you talk about, everybody here talk about him in football has good words to say about him. Um, so yeah, yeah, very exciting appointment. One hundred percent. And it was an interesting tweet from Midad Gadusi when the club announced Eels had come in, and he said, "We're building a sky a skyscraper, so we need to make sure our foundations are solid." And Eels, alongside Dan Ashworth, alongside Eddie Howe, them foundations are starting to be built. And I think people looking in at Newcastle from the outside will look at this setup in the boardroom in the dugout and there's some very big names and there's some very capable people to take Newcastle to the next level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Eels is going to bring, you know, a lot of experience. He's got a lot of contacts in the game and you look at his work in England with West Brom and Tottenham and obviously what he's done in America is fantastic. He's built Atlanta from nothing. You know, they were only founded in 2014 um, and as you say, you know, that they're attracting amazing crowds for the MLS and they've, they've done some fantastic things in the last sort of eight years. You look at Ashworth and we've spoke a lot of times about what he's going to bring. You know, you've got Majed al Sarua who's came and he's got those contacts from, you know, the sort of Saudi side, Yasser al-Ramayan, um, again, who's obviously going to be, you know, as a huge figure in Saudi Arabia. They're putting together an amazing backroom squad. You know, they're not just changing things on the pitch. 
how many years, you know, have we talked about, you know, this hierarchy at Newcastle, which was literally just Lee Charnley, wasn't it? He had about 10 jobs to do. And now, you know, there's going to be a proper structure in place um, with, you know, the very best of the best. So it's, it's an incredibly exciting time. Um, and it's a really, really positive appointment. I think that's an important point you made there. Previously, under Mike Ashley, Lee Charney was doing pretty much everything. But what they've got here is they've got people with expertise in certain elements of, of the game, which allows them to get on with it. So Ashworth can handle, you know, maybe going after the, the right player, you know, sorting the deals out for the, for the youngsters. Whereas Daniels can, 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 can uh, focus on growing the club commercially, which we know is a massive thing. Newcastle are lagging behind because of the Ashley years in terms of bringing in income for sponsorships, you know, for just the advertising around 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 the stadium. So it's 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 in many ways it's a it's a clean slate for him to to show what he can do. Yeah, massively. And I mean you've touched on it there. His his jobs are gonna be really to make sure that that commercial income is coming in. You know, we've heard a lot of times this summer about how the budget maybe isn't as high as um, Newcastle fans would hope it would be and that's because obviously they haven't got those you know commercial deals in places yet apart from you know the noon uh, sleeve sponsor you know he's going to be overseeing this training ground project when it eventually happens and they move like, he's going to be overseeing making sure that fans have a big say in the club um, and as you say he brings a wealth of experience he's probably got a very very big black book of you know names that he can call on he was very very close to Daniel Levy at Tottenham Um He's obviously got extensive contacts in America. Um, but yeah, it's a clean slate for him. You know, he's coming into this job, um, you know, probably with, with not too much pressure. You know, Newcastle haven't had a, a CEO for many a year. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of easy wins there as we've seen with the owners. Um, you know, there's not, mu- there's not much really you can do wrong when you're coming in and, and the, the atmosphere around the club so positive at the minute. So Eels said on the announcement, Newcastle is both a giant of a club and the heartbeat of its community. Every time I've visited St. James Park, I've been overwhelmed by the passion of the fans. This is a club with an amazing rich heritage and I'm delighted to be joining for this new chapter in its long history. I'm grateful for the opportunity and look forward to working with the rest of the team to help this story, uh, this storied club full of fulfill rather it's potential so obviously he's clearly excited at the challenge ahead it is a big move though it's a big move coming from the MLS to the Premier League alone but then to Newcastle with this global attention which is now on the club yeah it is it is a big move and obviously you know we're, we're praising the work he's done in the MLS obviously this is a different ball game but the club will have had a lot of candidates looking for this job. They, you know, the probably the reason that it's taken so long to get this deal done. You know, we all thought there'd be a CEO in place. You know, pretty much last October, they've waited. They've bided their time. They'll have done their research. And I mean, you just have to look at that track record in America for what he's done, turning that club into Atlanta, what it is now, um, and even what he's done at Tottenham. You know, he was central to signing Gareth Bale central to getting potching and building the team around that you know the players that they had under under eels at, at Tottenham him and Levy worked on the likes of Van der Vaart you know he's he's got experience in this game and you know he hasn't just spent the last eight years you know honing his craft in America he's, he's done it in the Premier League as well so um yeah you know it's a fan, fantastically positively uh, positive appointment um and it just goes to show that you know all the foundations are being laid now as Gadusi said you know they're getting the right structure in place behind the scenes to give Howe and the players the best chance on the pitch. Without being disrespectful to the MLS, in many ways it might be 
easier to get that growth into Newcastle because you do have all this attention. You're in the Premier League. We know the Premier League is the most watched league in the world. You know, big companies want to put money in. They want to sponsor you. They want to, you know, and they're willing to pay the big bucks to do so. I mean, just look at how much Chelsea's gone for, for example. And, you know, there'll be um, sponsorship deals, you know, many, many millions more than Newcastle are currently getting, getting paid because the Premier League has that attention. And for Eels, who's done it in MLS, who's sold the project to companies, come and sponsor us, come back where, you know, it might be a little bit easier here because it is the Premier League. Well, you'd imagine so, wouldn't you? You'd think, you know, he's obviously tried to flog a dead horse in America where soccer is, you know, probably the fifth or sixth sport, whereas, you know, he's come to the Premier League where it's sort of the lifeblood of, of the city, um, you know, going to Washington Cast United. So it's probably a reason why he's took the job, you know. I mean, he's came out and said on Friday when it was announced that it was a tricky decision and obviously leaving Atlanta where he was so widely respected, you know, Arthur Blank, the owner, said, um, you know, it's one of the best hires he's ever made in his career. Um, and he'll, you know, you could tell that there was a sort of tinge of sadness there that he was having to leave. But, you know, it's an opportunity that, you know, not many people would turn down joining, you know, this project at the ground floor, um, you know, before the club takes off. He has been at West Brom as well, around about the time Dan Ashworth was as well. So that he'll not be coming into the club and being a, a total stranger to Ashworth, which is which is probably going to be a good thing. Yeah, and I think Ashworth's probably had a say in it, to be fair. I mean, they've worked together for four years at West Brom. Admittedly, it was, you know, over 15 years ago, and Anils was sort of working in a legal capacity, but he's clearly obviously built up that reputation. Um, you know, if you know if and when the time comes that Eddie Howe moves on or players are moving on, you know, Eels has got these contacts that he's going to know from other clubs, from Tottenham, and even from the MLS, you know, he's going to know you know, the players to scout, the coaches that might be, you know, able to bring somebody to Newcastle. So um, it's good that he's already sort of had those working relationships with Howe, and, uh, sorry, not with Howe, with Ashworth. Um, and, you know, in the future, he can probably bring some of that expertise into the club when it's needed. And uh, it'd be nice to see him and Miggy reunited as well. That'll be a positive thing for mm-hmm. Falmiron, you would think. He was um, not having uh, the worst of pre-seasons, is he? Well, we'll get on to Almiron later in the show. Um, we're going to dive into some of the, the questions now in the comments. A lot of people asking about the search for a striker um, and if Newcastle are now moving on to other priorities. It was reported over the weekend that the winger is more the priority than, than a striker. A lot of people talking about gambling on Callum Wilson's fitness. If you haven't already listened to the latest episode of Let's Talk About, the latest episode was on Callum Wilson where myself and John Gibson discussed Callum Wilson's future. You know, Is he the man to lead Newcastle uh, into the new era if fit we said yes if not that's the gamble a lot of people talking about this gamble here Aaron and that's what it, it comes down to isn't it it's if Callum Wilson stays fit for 38 games of the season let's say 35 he's probably going to get you 15-20 goals which is definitely the difference from mid-table to, to top 10 but at the same time even if he does stay fit you're then looking at who's 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 your backup because players can drop out of form Players can just have a bad, a bad half, and and, and not, not be able to find the net. You know, the, surely, the, I mean, in my opinion, they still need to go after a striker. Yeah, hundred percent they do. We all know it. The fans know it. We know it as in the media, and Eddie Howe knows it himself. You know, he, he made no secret of that when he spoke to the press over the weekend that you know they were gutted about Ekatike, and they're working hard to try and get a striker. And you know, I was reading his quotes this morning about Callum Wilson, and he said, "I would love Callum Wilson to have an injury-free campaign." We literally, we all would, but we know that when push comes to shove, 
his record says he very rarely goes a full campaign without having quite a serious knock. So, look, I, I don't think Howe's going to gamble on, on Wilson for a full season. I think, you know, they're going to they're trying everything to get a strike over the line um, or even, you know, a couple of more of attacker players through. Um, but we all know they need a striker and, and you know, Howe's, you know, rightly been talking Wilson up, but I think he knows as well that. He's got he a knows. little bit of a habit, has how of, of talking everybody up, and I suppose in one way that's that's that, that that's a good thing because he, he's he's painting everyone in a positive life uh, light to the media and to the fans. But I do suspect behind closed doors it's a little bit different. The message may be a little bit stronger, so to speak, because as much as he's praising Murphy and Almiron, you know, the harsh reality is is that the squad is going to have to be trimmed down and players are going to have to leave. You know, he spoke positively about Dwight Gale and Dwight Gale's not even gone to Austria. I know that was a few months ago when he spoke about Gale, but it's, um, it is an in- interesting tactic. But on on strikers, you know, Brugia looks like he's off to West Ham initially on loan, but £40 million price tag's also been touted about. You mentioned Tekia there. Zapata's the other one that's been linked. And he's a name that constantly creeps up, doesn't he? Um, but he is 31. He is... Um, you know, an older player, twenty-five million, thirty million has been been reported. There's there's no doubt in his 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 credentials. He knows where the back of the net is. But then you are left with an aging strike force. Yeah, I think. I mean, if it was me, I think they need to get a you know a young player in. If you look at Wood and Wilson, you know they're not getting any younger. Um, and I think that's why Brojo was probably such a big target because he's only obviously, you know, at the very start of his career. He's already sort of had Premier League experience. Chelsea are clearly, clearly, you know, big fans of him. Um, so yeah, Zapata's a weird one. At first, I didn't know if it was just sort of agent talking him up in Italy. As you've said, he keeps being mentioned, but you've got to remember he missed he missed three or four months of the season last year. There's by no means any guarantee that he's gonna, you know, be fit when Callum Wilson's not available. So. You know, look, fans are in the comments here. Fans are talking about it day in, day out on social media. You know, we need a strike room, we need a strike room, but they can't just go out and buy a striker for, because the market's getting tough and they need a quick deal. They're much better to just buy the time, as they are. You know, we've still got over, we've still got six weeks left of the window. Even if they have to go into the first couple of games of the season with Wood and Wilson as their two, it's absolutely fine. But I think by the end of August, clubs are going to, clubs that might be holding out now, are going to start getting desperate to sell well, if they need it. So that was the question I was going to ask you because I, like eighty percent of me is like, yeah, Newcastle will hold out, and then clubs, as you say, who got the players like you know, like Isaac for example, um, will then they'll break because they know Newcastle or they can can give them this cash this summer and and they can get a nice, a nice bit in their pocket. But the other twenty percent of me is thinking, well, actually, if they fully believe Newcastle, or if they get to them final weeks of the transfer window, Newcastle haven't signed a striker. Does it work the other way where they're looking at it and saying, well, Newcastle are really desperate here. If we hold out a little bit longer, we think they're going to break. Potentially, I mean, this is why the this is why the transfer market is so tricky because it's just a game of cat and mouse, isn't it? And trying to call each other's bluff. But I think let's just say we get to the end of August and clubs like Burnley and clubs like Watford that went down. Let's say they haven't shifted Corny or Dennis or Ishmael Assar. I think you're going to get quite an easy deal there. Clubs like Everton, if they haven't sorted out their financial fair play by the end of August, are you going to get someone like Calvert-Lewin for potentially cheaper than you would now, maybe? But look, Newcastle have already shown that they're not going to pay over the top. Um, you know, they showed it in January with Diego Carlos that they weren't going to be held to ransom and and you know subjected to that Newcastle tax. 
And I think it's going to be the same this summer. I think even though there was, you know, a little bit of worry in Howe's course this weekend where he was saying, you know, we're trying, we want to get a teeter over the line, you know, we want we want Brozier and all these things. I think they will wait and I think they'll wait for the right deal to come. And I've got no doubt we'll be sat here in six months, six weeks' time and we'll be talking about how we've got this amazing new striker. And I think 100% they'll get a deal over the line. I just think it goes back to the thing we've been saying all summer, that patience is a virtue. Mm. And look, it'll come. It's it's You know, the summer market's tricky. It's even summer when all of a sudden you've got all this money and everybody knows about it. So they just need to bide their time, I think. We've got David Stratton here saying it's risky leaving it to the last minute. Always prefer to get deals done before the first game. And, you know, I think Newcastle wanted deals done even before they went out on pre-season. We saw that. They've, they've got a, got three in, haven't they, with, with Pope, Botman and Target re-signing. Re uh, but it is. It's just the market's so hard to manoeuvre around. Um, but fingers crossed they do get a striker in because they definitely need one. Even if Dwight Gill ends up staying, which we, we don't think he will do, um, in my view, they would still need another striker to come in. The right wing search, the search for a winger, that one is another one that, that's rumbling on. And again, with the RB, you know, the money being asked, Newcastle are just going to have to hold out and hope that by Leverkusen do eventually fold. Do you think that, that will happen towards the end of the season? Do you think they'll move on? Harrison is another one that they've been linked with. I think I think is looking more and more unlikely. I think, you know, Leverkusen are in quite a um, unique situation that they don't actually need to sell. You know, they've got Champions League football. They, you know, Diaby hasn't publicly came out and said that he wants to leave. He seems happy enough to stay there. They've strengthened um, their squad this summer in a sort of, in a bid to keep them there. Um, so look, Diaby's one where it's looking more and more unlikely. You know, he was he played 45 minutes on Saturday for Leverkusen. Very, very close to where Newcastle staying in Austria. Um, I wonder whether there was maybe one or two of the delegation Um being sent there to maybe have a word, I, I would hope so. But um, yeah, Diaby's one that, that is looking, you know, increasingly unlikely. We knew it would be, you know, a tough ask. You know, Leverkusen asking for upwards of forty-five and fifty million. Um, you know, then you know you turn to the likes of Harrison. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Callum Hudson a die at Chelsea suddenly starts getting thrown into the mix. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have to look for other targets. You know, Corn is another one that's been offered. They've got options. It's just, as we say, about you know doing the right deal and not doing deals for the sake of it because they need bodies in. Um, but I think you know, you know, Harrison's an interesting one. You know, I've just seen a comment there from David saying he would like Jack Harrison. Harrison's one that seems to split opinion on social media, doesn't he? Um, a lot of fans saying they would take him. A lot of fans saying that he's no better than Miggy or Fraser. It's a, it's an interesting one. Do the club you know stick to their guns, or do they maybe think you know we need something better? We need someone to lift that caliber, lift the level, you know, lift the standards more higher than what we've got now. Or do they say we just need a body in? Let's go and get someone who's you know done a job for a bottom half of the table Premier League side. It's it's going to be interesting to see what sort of route they go down as the window goes on. Um, plenty of comments. Uh, if you are watching, I've continued to put them into the the chat there, and we will get through the best of them. Uh, Graham Morton there says seven new players since January. One or two. More additions would be wonderful. Patience is a virtue. And I think a lot of people will actually share that view. Um, elsewhere, I mean, the transfer market is just its just so interesting. But what else is quite intriguing is Elliot Anderson. Now, he started the game, uh, the, the friendly game against 1860 Munich, and he didn't look out of place. I appreciate the opposition wasn't exactly the best, but he slotted in really nicely into, into that midfield and, 
Yeah, I think I think it's a big couple of weeks for him because I I don't think it's 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 a it's a done and dusted you know story that he's just going to get thrown out on loan. I think there's a real chance he could he could be part of this first team squad. Well, House always said, hasn't he, that he would give him a chance, and, and we felt that when House said it, it wasn't just him talking talking up players as he as we know he does. You generally did get the sense that they were so impressed with him out on loan, they know that he's you know tipped to be the next big thing. That they would give him a, a good crack in pre-season, and that seems what they seems to be the consensus. You know, he's expected to probably get another forty-five minutes a day. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him getting you know you know taken to the Portugal trip. Then probably the decision comes once they're back in the UK, right? You know, the the season starts in a week. Do we, as as David's put here in the comments, do we get him a championship loan, or do we or do we look to sort of keep him in the, the squad? It's, what we touched on last week, it's important that you know he's not stagnating. And that's a you know thing that we that we've that we've touched on before. Dan Ashworth's you know big on making sure our players have got the right moves for them. So interesting to see how he gets on the next two or three games. Um, you know he's another one who splits opinion. A lot of people saying he needs a loan deal. A lot of people would like to see him be thrown in. Um, I think we we'll probably know more in in three or four games time before that opener with Forest. Sticking with loans. How important is it for Newcastle United to make the most of the loan market? We saw back in January, they brought in Matt Target. They had a little try before you buy it. It's worked out quite nicely. Uh, but with you know the budget and and you know financial fair play, it would be ideal for Newcastle to, to somehow go out and, and find a quality addition through the loan market. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there with Target. You know, they spent so much money in January, they sort of probably needed one or two loan deals to sort of balance the books. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same this summer. You know, there's already been talk about Brogia when he was heavily linked with the club that they were, you know, the club wanted a, a loan deal rather than a permanent deal. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they're going for these attacking targets and they've got to pay over the odds for maybe a striker and they've got to use a big chunk of that budget, you know, they've already spent 60 million this summer. They're probably going to, you know, spend eventually over 100 million but by the time the summer's out. It wouldn't surprise me if one of those attacking targets comes in on loan, so that I can spend a little bit more strengthening, you know, the one that they haven't. So yeah, look, it's crucial that they that they that they take advantage of it. There'll be a lot of clubs that are that are after a loan as well. I mean, Chelsea themselves apparently don't want to sell Brozier because you know they're keen to keep him in the long term. So yeah, there's there's definitely players that they can go out and strengthen by just getting them in on a on a temporary basis. I mean, Chelsea have about 150,000 players, don't they, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you could potentially get out on loan. Um, the big decision that has been made with regards a defender, uh, well, there's two lines that have come out over the weekend. And the first one is on the captaincy and Eddie Howe uh, saying that Jamal is definitely staying. He's a big part of what we are doing and hinting that he would remain as captain. For you, is that the, the right decision? Um. Yeah. Look, I think it is. I think if Lascelles is going to stay, um, this summer, which it looks like he probably will now, does how want to risk upsetting the the squad? You know, we've we. If there's one thing we've learned from Eddie Howe in the last six months, is he is a people pleaser, or at least in the public years, he does not have a bad word to say about anybody. And yes, we know he can be ruthless behind the scenes, but I'm just wondering whether he's thinking. You know, do I want to upset the apple cart too much and get players disillusioned when I want this unity to continue? And look, if you look at his um, comments about the cells over the weekend, you couldn't really disagree with anything. He is clearly a big presence in the dressing room. He's a positive influence on the squad. 
you would imagine that he's probably not going to play most weeks anyway. You'd imagine that it's going to be Botman and then one of either Shaw or Byrne. It's probably in a quite an easy decision to just say when you're playing, you're the captain. And then when he's not playing, it's going to go to someone like Trippier or Shelby. I think that's probably what he's been told behind the scenes. But look, I think Lascelles, you know, for all that, you know, he, he might not be the best on the pitch these days. Um, he's been a fantastic servant at the club. He, ha- he is a leader on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, so I don't have too many qualms about him keeping the captaincy this season. It's one that definitely splits opinion, isn't it? I've seen the comments to, to the story this morning. A lot of people um, not happy with it. A lot of people agreeing with what you've said there. Why bother rocking the boat? I do just wonder, because I think it's a big test of Jamal LaSalle's character to accept that role. You know, Whatever has been said privately, and if it is... You're not going to play most weeks, but when you do, you'll be given a captaincy. I mean, to me, I I wouldn't I wouldn't like that because I'm, I'm not good enough to be in your first team. But you know, mm. is, is it kind of a charity kind of armband? Do you know what I mean? Um, it's going to be a big test of his his character. But I think for Lascelles, I think you know, knowing knowing what he's like on and off the pitch, I think Lascelles would be saying to himself, "I fancy myself to get in this team." Now, look, whether he does or not is a different story. But I don't think he'll be sort of thrown in the towel by any means. I think he knows that. If um, if Dan Byrne or Fabian Shaw picks up an injury for a couple of months, he's banged back in with a chance of playing every week alongside Botman. So, look, we, we spoke about it earlier in the summer on the podcast that you know a move to Forest or another club like that would probably suit both parties. Clearly, it doesn't look like he is in any rush to leave. Um, and I think he'll give it a good go to try and get back in the team this season. But I, I, personally, I, I, I don't see that happening unless there's a big injury. Sticking with the defence, Federico Fernandez. a lot of people felt he would leave this summer. He has picked up an, an injury, so that's why he's not featured uh, so far this, this pre-season. But again, Eddie Howe seemingly hinting that he may well keep him for for at least the next six months up to, to kind of January time. Yeah, obviously we, we spoke last week about Matt Ritchie and how you know some players are maybe good to keep around the squad. Um, is Feddy another one like that? You know, they have lost Kieran Clark. Um Yes, that you know they've got Kel Watts back, but he might be going on loan. Is it maybe just a case of keeping him as the very backup? You know, he's clearly you know a well liked um, member of the squad. Again, how much game time is he going to get? You know, he's thirty three now. He's picked up another injury. It's a tricky one. I, I, I'm not against Freddie staying, but I think he's another one who pro- who probably won't be getting much game time this season. So you're thinking, is he just keep you know taking up the space? Look, he's probably not going to get in the 25-man squad, but he might just be... How might must be thinking? He's good to have around the, you know, the dressing good room. Influence. He's a positive influence on the team. And I think, you know, we all expected at the start of the summer that, you know, it was just going to be a complete, you know, clean slate and that we were going to have, you know, 10 or 11 players sold by now. That isn't the case. You know, Richie's still there. Gale's still there, although he probably will go. Feddy's still there. Darlow's still there. Is how just thinking, you know, I I don't want to have a complete overhaul, you know, after, um, you know, only being in the gig six months. Is he just going to sort of, you know, you know, steadily sort of release players and get them out of the team? Maybe. But yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird one with Freddie, I think. A few people asking whether it'd be worth trying to get him to a kind of a coaching role because of that influence behind the scenes, which could be a little bit of an option. I'm sure he is putting his arm around the shoulder of certain players and just you know being there you know we've seen him he's in that kind of clique of the the, the Portuguese speaking the you know the Brazilian internationals and the South American kind of crew that they've got going on there and that's what I wanted to speak uh, to you about next is 
you know, we've seen all the players Instagramming from Austria. We've seen the photographs. We've seen videos from our reporter Lee Ryder, who's out there. And what I really like is there's just a fantastic team spirit. Even from these 20 second videos we're seeing on the players Instagrams, Bruno Gimaresh is, is Instagramming like there's no tomorrow. Um, there's just this lovely connection between them all. They're all vying to you know be part of this this squad, and they seem to be really happy as a collective to be going along on the same journey. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting because the, obviously the players seem to have a bond like we haven't seen in a couple of years at Newcastle. But you know, I was at the stadium last week, um, you know, to when the safe uh, safe standing was being announced, and I spoke to like a member of staff who works for the the media team at Newcastle, and they said that. You know, fans now are so much more responsive to what they put out on social media and they don't think that they've done anything different to what they always have. Has it always been like this and we just haven't noticed because of, you know, the actual regime? I'm not sure, but... I think the players, are, you know, it's, it's no secret under Benitez and, you know, under, under Bruce as well, you know, there was, there's always been that good connection of the yeah. spine of players. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe we've just, like you say, not not it's not been put out there as much. Are we just picking up more on it now because everything's going so well, or or has it always been like that behind the scenes? But because you know we go out on the pitch and you know we, it was always a relegation battle. I'm not sure, but uh, it's it's interesting. But look, I've been loving the content they've been putting out. Joe Linton and Bruno, their little bromance is fantastic. Um, you know Ryan Fraser and Dan Byrne, just it. How has really sort of galvanised them. Their team spirit, it, it does look like better than it was under Bruce. I mean, even Shelby and players have came out and said that, you know, things are looking, you know, a lot better than they used to. Um, but look, long may it continue. They need to have a good start of the season. It needs to be much better than last season. And as, for as long as they can keep this, you know, mood as it is, you know, the better for the club. Well, what's been great as well is that everyone's involved, not just the players. You've got, you know, the first team physios playing bowling and, and pool with Gumaresh and Joe Linton and Fernandez. You've got uh, the media team as well. There was this little basketball game going on where they all lined up in, in two two lines and they had to get the ball and the hoop as quickly as you can. And everyone was involved. That, that That's really nice to see. There's a real good connection throughout the whole of the club. Um, and, you know, I'm sure they can't wait to get back to St. James's Park for that game against Forest. You mentioned there the improvements, and there's an interview in 442, uh, the new issue with Joe Linton, and he was asked to tell a little bit more about how Eddie Howe has changed things at Newcastle. So I'm just going to read this quote out because I think it's a really intriguing insight into how things have changed. He said, A lot of things have improved since the boss arrived. Training sessions have been better, and the same goes for the competitiveness in the squad. He's also brought a winning mentality to our team. He's very demanding and everyone needs to give everything. The boss doesn't like to see bad passes. That's just in training, let alone in a match. When sessions are tough in training and everyone is really competitive, it becomes normal to replicate that in games. Perhaps we didn't have the same intensity before him. There's no magic formula. Your performance at the weekend is a reflection of what you've done in the week. Things didn't change straight away, actually. It took some time for him to turn things around, so it was fantastic to see wins come our way, as well as a deserved recognition for his brilliant work. I mean, there's a lot to pick out of there. What, what, what are you going to go at first off? I'm not sure. I mean, this has just been a running theme, hasn't it? That, you know, players were so sort of quiet under Bruce and they didn't want to rock the boat. And then, you know, since um, Eddie House came in, they've all sort of, Fraser and Shelby and Wilson have all sort of hinted that, you know, 
how much better things are under how look it we've known it since day one he demands such a high standard from the players um you know I'll always remember that after the Arsenal game and they just had this amazing win at, at St James's to end the season at, at home and how was already talking about there's no dead games there's no dead games in pre-season you can tell that he's absolutely drilling these players you know yes we've seen lots of content of them doubt, enjoying free time and you know, working on relationships off the pitch, but, you know, he's putting them through their paces to make sure that, you know, they can compete this year and they don't have a repeat of the start of last season. Whatever Eddie Howe does between now and when he eventually leaves the club, what a breath of fresh air he's been. After 14 years of Mike Ashley, he's like the perfect antidote. You know, he's the perfect man to have came in and just lifted, you know, the standards of the club and the... and you know, the morale around the place. So, yeah, fantastic and, and, and long may it continue with him at the helm. Definitely. And uh, we've said it before on these episodes, but um, the person who texted me that interview said it with a message of saying, I'm going to actually get a shirt with Joe Linton's name on the back. And he's never done that in many, many years. But that's how excited he is by Joe Linton. And we, we saw Joe Linton get involved um, in the front against 1860 Moon. He came off the bench. He got a booking for a bit of a rash challenge. But I tell you what, he was already a big guy, but he he just looks like he's got he's gone up, he's grown. And he does like look just huge, he looks like he? he's filled out, and I'm so excited to see whether he can maintain that form that he had in the second half of last season. I think he's given himself every chance to. I mean, you look at him, and we've seen him in pre-season training. He looks like an absolute unit. I mean, if it looks or anything to go by, he's destined for a huge season. Um, and look, you know, you know, we've we've seen him. Um, he's obviously improving his English with Bruno. He's got that South American contingent with him in the squad. He's got the fans on side. He's loving his football. I think I think he's going to be player of the season next season. He's going to have a huge season. He's he's got everything's fallen into place for him. I'm so he's the one I'm most excited to see this season. Not Bruno, not Botman. It's it's all about Joe Linton for me. There was a moment when the wall go cart and then he comes into that hut and I don't know how who he's having an argument with, I've but I tell you what, if, if those players took a step back, imagine what the opposition are going to be like because he was not happy at something. Maybe someone took a corner a bit too uh, too tightly. Um, we'll get on to then you know the games of preseason. Obviously, the the, the beat eighteen sixty Munich three 0 The first half was frustrated frustration. Um, Eddie Howe came out and said as much. He also pointed out that they were a little bit fatigued. Um, I, you know, interesting, I thought, when Gamresh came off, he, he just re-emphasised what a quality player he is. So he came off the bench. Or just like the, to- just the, the touch of the ball, it's just, it's just a different level. And I, you know, I tweeted out, it's only pre-season, uh, so we can't get overexcited. And most of the comments came back, you know, we're getting excited. Get excited. We're getting excited here. And, and people are just really excited to have a player of his quality around. And, you know, he obviously got a goal. But, yeah, he's just another level. And that is the level Newcastle need to, to hit, not just on the pitch, but in the transfer market as well. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it was, a you know, a notable increase in performance when he came on. And, you know, the sort of tempo shifted. That first half was really frustrating. I thought, you know, they were really struggling to break. 1860 Munich down. Shelby was trying his best to get players in behind. It was feisty, wasn't it, as well? It was, yeah. I mean, the cells, the cells was getting heated. You know, he got booked. As you say, Jolton's tackle in the second half was a bit of a, a bit of a close to the edge for pre-season friendly. But yeah, second half, much, much improved. Botman, I thought, did well. Bruno, 
was just as good as ever. Really, really good. Um, the energy levels. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game today. I think we'll know more um, about the club, about sort of the you know the state of the team um, after a day. And yeah, hopefully they can get another win to keep this run going. Botman did look quality. A lot of people picking up the pass that he, uh, he, he lobbed over to the other side of the, of the pitch. And again, we, we talked about way, way back uh, in the early part of the, the summer levels. These are the levels Newcastle now are in for. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we've touched on it there. Bruno and, and Botman are the two players that were singling out. In the months to come and in the transfer windows to come, you know, Bruno and Botman, I think, are going to sort of fade into the background because hopefully we're going to have 11 players of that, you know, nature. You know, that's the aim anyway, I think, in a couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely brilliant. And, you know, they're going to raise the standard of this team, you know, tenfold this summer with Trippier and and hopefully fully fit Callum Wilson. So, yeah, really exciting. And hopefully one or two, you know, players of that quality to come in for the end of the window. Fingers crossed. Some really interesting comments coming in. We've got one here from Mark Atkinson who says... Uh, how many players can you tolerate with injuries before we become weak? It, it, it's a gamble. It's, I mean, that's football, isn't it? You know, you could go out and buy five or six new players and all of them end up getting injured within the first you know, month of the season. It is a massive gamble. Um, I suppose the question is, have Newcastle got a big enough squad? Have they got a, a quality within the squad to you know deal with? Say if Gumeresh does pick up an injury, Wilson gets injured, someone gets suspended, Botman gets suspended. Have they got enough to get through the games that those those players would miss? Yeah, I think that's what Howe's looking at this summer, isn't he? That he knows he needs a couple more in because, well, one, we've, we've obviously spoke at length about Wilson. Maxi picks up knocks here and there because he's, you know, targeted so much. Willock's got these knee issues that he sort of can't, couldn't seem to shift last season. Shaw, in and out the team sometimes with injuries. Trippier's not getting any younger. You know, there's a couple of players in that team that you think, you know, are probably going to have a couple of injuries this summer. Um, so, yeah, look, that's what Howe's going to be looking at. They know that they're going to need strength and depth. But look, I think the players that they've added this summer, you know, the more they strengthen, you know, the, with these big name additions, the more depth they're going to have because all of a sudden you've got, you know, better third and fourth choices that are ready to take their place. So, Look, the death will come in, in transfer windows to come and, you know, the longer they have the new owners to go at it, you know, we're going to see eventually, hopefully, an 80-man squad where you can rotate, you know, with no qualms. I guess that's the important point you've made there, isn't it? It'll come. So what that in turn has to happen is that the expectation uh, on Newcastle over the next couple of seasons while they're building that squad on Eddie Howe as well has to be realistic, you know, We've spoken about what would be a good season for Newcastle next season. And I said, material for me, anything else is a bonus. I know a lot of people are talking top six, top eight, but I think we have to be realistic that you know Newcastle um, are cherry-picking the additions that are coming in. They're not spending money like it's going out of fashion. They're being sensible. And Eddie Howe is going to rely on a lot of players who've been here for a lot of years and aren't necessarily the next level. But what he's got there is a foundation to take them on that journey. And it's a journey that's going to have to happen over the next two, three, four seasons. Yeah, I mean, we keep saying it, but it, it's all about patience. You know, we've got to remember that the takeover is not even a year old. Look how far they've come. Um, Eddie Howe, as we say, was in no mood at the start. 
at the start of the summer to do a big radical overhaul of the team. You know, he trusts Ryan Fraser, he trusts Dan Byrne, Fabian Shaw, players that might not be here in three, four seasons, but for now, how really rates them. So, um, yeah, look, it, it's going to take time. And I, and I agree, I think mid-table or, you know, finishing in the top half of the season would would, would constitute success. Um, we've got Thomas there asking about strikers and whether you think there's enough enough depth up front and, and will any of the, the young uns get a run the, the under 21s over in Spain at the moment they won 2-1 good performance by all accounts um, do you think there is if, if Newcastle don't get the striker in that they, they, they desire in the transfer market do you think Eddie Howe will look down at the, the, the youngsters and, and, and maybe see if one or two can, can fit into the, the squad and, and challenge the likes of Callum Wilson and Chris Wood? I think maybe maybe Elliot Arneson would stay if they can't get another you know sort of central attacker midfielder in or a wide attacker in. Um, I could easily see that happen. We know that he likes Lucas De Ball. Um, Michael Endwini is the one who scored, didn't he? Yeah, Endwini. Uh, Westendorf was training with the, with the first team. Um so look, the, these players might be in and around the squad, but I don't think Howe's going to be in any you know rush to throw them in. But they could easily, you know, I think Lucas De Ball is you know one. We saw he, he got got a few uh, sub appearances last season, um, so potentially. But Anderson's the one I think that would probably actually go into that eleven if needed. I don't think the others yet. I don't think Howe's ready to put them in yet. With Ashworth there though, you, you do know there is now someone who is gonna be waving that flag, you know, really talking these players up because he has history of doing that. You know, he's a man who really wants to make sure there is the pathway from the you know, the Academy into the first team and we think Eddie Howe's gonna buy into that. So, you know, if there is someone that stands out, there is a much better chance now under this new ownership, under the new boardroom that they will get their shot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Howe's even said publicly, you know, that you know his aim is to get as many of these academy players throughout the first team. Um, obviously, we didn't see too many last season, but that's probably because you know, you know, most of it was spent in a relegation battle. Um, but you know, you'd like to think towards the back end of the season, if safety's already secured by Feb or March, which you know, touch what it is, that we might see a few of these youngsters getting a bit of uh, game time. But yeah, I think Arneson de Ball. Watts potentially if he stays, um, Westendorf, Joe White, Taylor Cook, Turner Cook, sorry, are probably the ones that you know might take the step up the season. And obviously you've got Charlie MacArthur, Alex Murphy uh, signing. You know it's not just players that they've got in the academy at the minute. You know they're going to be strengthening with some really really top class um, young additions from around the UK. Yes, very exciting time. Um, I'm going to finish off on the comment here from Tom who says it's great to be relevant again. There's even talk of, on the news about Newcastle down here in Australia. He says only the top six usually get coverage. And I guess for everyone, whether you're on the other side of the world or here in sunny Tyneside, um, that's exactly how everyone's feeling, is it? They're just excited that their club is finally, in a Premier League season, aiming to do more than just survive the season. I mean, that's all we want. And that's all we ever wanted. We just wanted a team that, you know, tried and that a club that was you know we were proud to represent and we've got that now you know yes global attention is going to come yes all eyes are going to be on Newcastle but you know for the fans that have you know spent the last 15 years you know worrying about the state of the club as you say as Tom says it's just good to be relevant again and you know have a club that we can all actually you know take pride in so yeah long may it last and, and I'm glad that you know 
the buzz around this season is, is huge. I'm, I can't wait for that opening game of Forest. It's going to be amazing. It certainly is. And there's obviously two pre-season friendlies to come at St James's Park, which are on course to be huge attendances with war flags as well getting involved, which is going to be very, very exciting. Uh, but thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. If you're on the podcast channel, please remember to like and follow and leave us a rating view if you get the chance as well. It just helps us get the show out to a wider audience really does boost the show out there and uh, there's plenty of stuff going on on that channel we've got lots of episodes of let's talk about we've, we've covered St James's Park we've covered Eddie Howe we've covered Joe Linton Lascelles as I mentioned earlier Callum Wilson plenty of good stuff over on chroniclelive.co.uk as well from Lee Ryder over in Austria as well as Kieran Kelly and Aaron Stokes bringing you the latest and best analysis on Newcastle United once again thank you very much for tuning in <laughs>